You're turning to Luke chapter 2, verse number 36. In your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, verse number 36. Today will be the final message in what we have loosely called the post-Christmas messages that we've been considering from the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. Last week, of course, we looked at Simeon. And this morning, I would like for us to look at this wonderful woman named Anna. And ladies, the message this morning will be primarily geared towards you with a desire for encouragement as we look at the example of this one named Anna. Now, I'm pretty sure that no prophetesses are here this morning. Uh, just going to preface that right at the beginning. But notice, if you would, Luke chapter 2 and verse number 36. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, the instant, the time frame is referring to Simeon coming to Joseph and Mary, taking up the Christ child in his arms and giving the prophecies and the praise that he did. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks, notice this word, likewise, unto the Lord... And spake of him, that is of Christ, the child, to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Taking Anna as our example from this passage of scripture this morning, ladies, I would like to preach a message entitled, The Woman God Can Use. The Woman God Can Use. Let's pray. Father, help us as we look into this passage of scripture, this single instance of this amazing woman, this woman that uh, you under inspiration included in uh, the story of the Lord Jesus Christ and for very specific reason. And I pray that you would encourage the hearts of the ladies here. God, I'm asking you for all of us men that are here that uh, you would raise in our estimation this morning the place of godly Christian womanhood. And put within us a renewed or a stronger desire than ever the responsibility, the privilege that we have as men in fulfilling God's design for our life, the, the privilege and the responsibility that we have to uphold the place of woman, to encourage the ladies that you have placed in our lives to be a woman that God will use. And I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I've thought about calling Anna the waiting woman or the woman in waiting. Uh, the Bible tells us that she was associated with and spoke to all those that uh, were looking for redemption in Jerusalem. The word looking or looked that is used in re regards to her is the same word, a related word to back in uh, verse number 25, Simeon being one of those that waited for the consolation of Israel. It's a related idea. So she was a woman in waiting. I, out of curiosity, did a little bit of reading about, uh, we've all heard the term ladies in waiting in the royal courts of Europe. 
And something that challenges us to think about is that though we use the term ladies-in-waiting to refer to those ladies that were involved in those royal courts, uh, it didn't mean this. Okay, these were women of activity, and they were women of attitude who were there to assist the queen in fulfilling her responsibilities. But here is a woman who wasn't waiting on a queen. She was waiting for Jesus, waiting on the Lord Jesus. I also thought, you know, for the fun of it, we could call her, if we're looking for alliteration, the lady with a longing for the Lord. The lady with a longing for the Lord. I like this about her. She was there in the temple at the moment that Joseph and Mary came with the Christ child. She was there at the moment that Simeon was uh, taking up the Christ child in his arms and blessing God and prophesying. She was there. And what a lesson for us to just be in the place of God's appointment. If not, you might miss something. Okay. She was there. I love this. She was thirsty. She was anticipating God doing something, and she was thankful I like the fact about her that she was a bridge and not a barrier, a bridge of Old Testament saints into New Testament Christianity, and she was a burden bearer and not a burden. And then I, my son and I were talking about this one. She was a blesser, not a stressor. Okay. Uh, how many of you have met someone before, and don't you dare think about anybody else sitting in this auditorium before? How many of you have met somebody before? It's like they're always under stress, and they want everybody else to be under stress with them. Okay. And uh, one of the things I love about Anna is she was a blesser. She's instantly giving thanks. It was like the immediate response in any situation for her would have been gratitude or blessing. Anna is a rare name. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. The only time any name that is related to it is used is in the Old Testament with Hannah. It's the same name, though a little different in our King James Version, but it's the same name in the original. It's a rare name. One of the Bible commentators I read made the point that from 300 B.C. till 200 A.D. in all Jewish and Christian religious literature, the name Hannah or Anna is not given to any other or mentioned in any other other kind of literature. It's just this Anna and this Hannah. It's a rare name. Does anybody know what the name Anna or Hannah means? Grace. I like the name Grace, in case you're wondering. For those of you who are visiting, that's my wife's name. I like Grace. Grace is Grace. It's something of a timeless name. You know, some names, some people think they have a shelf life. Uh, when we were checking into the hotel in Durham late Friday night, I noticed uh, that the elderly lady who was working the counter, her name was Joyce. And I wanted an opportunity to talk to her about the Lord. So I opened up the conversation and I said, Joyce, I said, I love your name. I said, my wife and I named our oldest daughter Joyce. And we named her Joyce after two godly ladies that we know, Joyce Comfort and Joyce Luttrell. And then we have several other ladies here in the church. Now, Joyce left you in Florida, but Joyce Ferguson is here. And uh, so I told her, I said, we just love the name Joyce. We loved it so much. We gave it to our daughters, her middle name. And she looked at me and she said, I tried to get my daughter to name her daughter, my granddaughter after me. And she got offended all of a sudden. It's like, oh, this is starting off well to talk to her about the Lord. And she's upset already. She, she said, but my daughter told me that Joyce is an old lady name. 
I'm sitting there thinking, well, I didn't think so because I named a baby daughter Joyce. And then she said, you know what then she did? She didn't name her daughter after me. She went and named her after my mom. Lila, I think, was the name. But you know, some people think names have shelf life. But Anna is a timeless name. A name that means grace. She's the daughter of Phanuel. Phanuel was a man, his name meant the face of God. And then interestingly enough, she's from the tribe of Asher. Now, now, I'm still doing some study on this. One of the commentators I read made this point, that Anna, the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, this is the only time in the Gospels and I believe the epistles, not counting Revelation, where any other tribe of Israel besides Judah, Benjamin, or Levi is mentioned. It's the only time another tribe is mentioned. Now, this becomes significant in just a moment, so hang on, okay? This is just introductory material, and then we'll look at several thoughts as it relates to Anna being a woman that God used. Anna is one of three women who are a group of six individuals who figure prominently in the birth narratives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. You've got Zechariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary, Simeon. And Anna. Now, now just let this set in, ladies. Three of the six individuals who figure prominently in the birth narratives of the Lord Jesus were ladies. Three men, three ladies. So when you get in some area that doesn't value biblical womanhood, it needs to be taken up with the Lord. What else is interesting to me, and of course the gift of prophecy has now been fulfilled and passed away because our New Testament is complete, but it's significant to me that a couple of those ladies were also the ones who God used as it related to prophecy, the Old Testament prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ, to, get this, to restart the voice of prophecy after 400 years of silence. So ladies, I just want you to know, God wants to use you in a powerful way. Okay. I think in my own life about the impact of godly grandmothers, a godly mother, Jenny's impact, and now Grace's impact. And I think any of us men and young men who are in this room can look into our past and realize that as much as any other influence, God at some point has used godly women in our lives. Okay? God's used my three daughters in my life. He must know I still need not a lot of work because he's given me another daughter on the way now. Okay. But ladies, I want you to understand this morning your potential to see the work of God, to welcome the work of God, and to have part in the work of God. And your opportunity, your potential can be just as great as God's work through any Man, it's quiet. One of the commentators I read made this point too, that if you extract, if you extracted the testimony that Luke would have relied upon for his gospel, okay, if you extract that testimony and the stories in the life of Christ in the gospels, if you extract the stories that, that center on or figure prominently a woman or the testimonies of Mary 
and of Elizabeth and of Anna and their stories and other ladies that ministered to Jesus out of their substance, if you extracted it, you could possibly be removing as much as 75% of the synoptic gospels. That doesn't go over very well in a male chauvinistic society, does it? Okay. But it's God's plan. Okay. The potential of womanhood. Why is it that we can look at an Anna? Why did God include her? Why is it that we can look at an Anna, this widow lady who had faithfully served the Lord? And there's discussion about whether or not the, the uh, four score and four, that 84, refers to her actual age or if that's how long she'd been a widow. Okay, If that's how long she'd been a widow, then she was likely over 100 years old. Okay. 84, 104, whatever it was, she was a woman God used. And I want us to consider, all of us together this morning, several reasons why God used her. And I want you to understand, ladies, they're the same reasons that if they're true in your life, God can use you and wants to use you as well. The first is this. Anna was a woman of anticipation. She was a woman of anticipation, anticipating God's work, anticipating the first coming of the Messiah. And I love this. No matter how long the length of time that she had to wait, she was all in. Amen. However many years it would take for Jesus to come. Okay. I don't know if she shadowed Simeon because she knew about the promise that the Holy Spirit of God had given to Simeon that he wouldn't see death until Simeon had seen the Lord's anointed. And she just said, I'm sticking close to Simeon. Okay. She was a woman of anticipation. I love this for reunion and reconciliation. This is where we look at the fact she was from the tribe of Asher. Why it's significant, the tribe of Asher, one of the ten northern tribes that when the kingdom was divided under Solomon's son Rehoboam and then going into the Assyrian captivity, many people talk about the lost tribes of Israel. Let me just say this once and for all. That is baloney. Amen. Okay? The tribes are not lost. God knows exactly where they are. So much so that he's going to call... 12,000 from every one of the tribes during the tribulation period to be preachers of the gospel. Okay. But here's a woman who apparently somehow or another had survived in her family line, the Assyrian captivity, and she's still present in Jerusalem at the time of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And her tribal association, get this, is an early down payment on the time that the Messiah will be returning and he's going to bring his nation back together. So there's an anticipation in her life for reunion and reconciliation. There is an anticipation in her life as well for redemption. The Bible tells us that she spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now remember this from last week. Most of the Jews of Jesus' day when he came, when they thought of redemption, they thought of a military conqueror who would lead them and overthrow the Roman Empire. That's what they thought of when they thought of redemption. But according to the Old Testament and according to Luke 168 and Isaiah chapter 40 and other Old Testament passages, get this, biblical redemption that a woman like Anna or a man like Simeon was looking for, longing for, first began with a redeemer. And redemption addressed the predominant issue of sin. 
It was the recognition, even among God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, that they were in sin and needed a redeemer. And so there was anticipation for a redeemer. And I love this, regardless of the form that he came in, he was a baby who was in the home of a poor Jewish carpenter, and they could only afford to bring two turtle doves. What an expression of faith. That our Lord Jesus Christ, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The foxes of the field have dens and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he became as us in order to accomplish the work of redemption And she was a woman of anticipation in redemption. And let me tell you, ladies, this. That will streamline your life, too. When your focus is on the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ, it tends to just help cull out all the garbage of this world. When the thing that matters is speaking of Christ and exalting Christ and telling others of Christ and glorifying Christ, it has a powerful way of weeding a lot out of life. She was a woman of anticipation through her routine as well. I think about the fact that she was involved in both public ministry and private ministry. The Bible here speaks of her day and night being involved in fasting and prayers when a person fasts. And remember, there are biblical guidelines to this. But as we think of not, I'm not talking about uh, people fasting for the medical benefits, and I know there's a place for that. I probably could do more of that myself. But we're talking about religious fasting. And one of the prevailing reasons for religious fasting was to prioritize the spiritual in your life. And there were warnings about it because hypocrites could use it to get attention to themselves. And we take those warnings. We understand that. But here was a woman who in her routine, both public and private, was prioritizing the spiritual. And then the Bible tells us that day and night she was involved in the ministry of prayer as she served God in the temple. Prayer here, a testimony, an illustration of her trusting the sovereign hand of God. Oh, ladies, let me tell you of the powerful potential of your being in the place of prayer. Being a woman of prayer, night and day, making it a ministry, even if there are other things that you cannot do, you, every one of you ladies, can be a prayer warrior. Making an altar of the kitchen sink, making an altar of the crib, making an altar of the changing table, making an altar of the living room floor, even as you're down on your knees picking up toys where one disaster after another has been made, the power of prayer. And it's a testimony to your reliance upon the sovereign and good hand of God. I've heard mothers and grandmothers joke and say, well, my spiritual gift is worrying. (laughs) And maybe some of you mothers in your transparent moments would say, I struggle with that. Why pray when you can worry, right? Why worry when you can pray? The place of prayer, a woman of anticipation in her routine, understanding, get this, through her routine that she was anticipating, she was looking for the Lord and his work. But I noticed, secondly, she was a woman of affirmation. There's a simple word that is used in the scripture, verse number 38, and she coming in that instant gave thanks. What's the word? Likewise. Likewise. She gave thanks likewise. 
in the same manner or in the same way or about the same thing that Simeon did. The word is interesting that's translated here, gave thanks likewise. It literally means over against or opposite of Simeon, she said the same thing he was saying. And it speaks of her affirmation. Her life was a life that said amen to whatever God said. Whatever God says, amen. Amen. She affirmed the work of God. And oh, ladies, what an opportunity you have in the lives of your children, in the life of your husband, in the life of your grandchildren and daughters and the associations that you have, you older ladies to you younger ladies, what an opportunity you have to be a woman of affirmation. Whatever God said, whatever the the man of God in the pulpit says, whatever the teacher says, to just have a life that says, if God said it, amen. Amen. When it comes to the word of God being preached, to what the Lord would say, when it comes to the work of the church, when it comes to a godly father and husband, build up your house through affirmation, your home. One of the sub-themes of the book of Luke are nine couplets of a man and a woman. Think of it. In Luke chapter number 1, we have the couplet of Zechariah and the Virgin Mary. In Luke chapter number 2, we have the couplet of Simeon and Anna. In Luke chapter number 4, in Jesus' teaching, he gives the couplet of the faith of Naaman and the widow of Zarephath as a rebuke to the faithlessness of the people of Israel at the time. Also in Luke chapter number 4, pardon me, 7, Luke chapter number 7, the Lord Jesus goes to the house of a Pharisee and another couplet is given, a Pharisee named Simon and a woman which, I like this, was a sinner. Why? Because Jesus changed her. Was And it's a contrast, it's a purposeful contrast between this Pharisee named Simon and this sinner woman. Luke chapter number 7, there's the, con- or the couplet of the Roman centurion and his faith and the widow of Nain and her son being raised from the dead. In Luke chapter number 8, there is the couplet of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue who would have his daughter to be healed and that woman with the issue of blood. In Luke chapter number 15, there's something of a couplet in three parables that Jesus Christ tells about lost sheep, lost silver, and a lost son. I I just want to mention this. Knowing much of the male chauvinism that was present in the first century, for Jesus to use a woman in an illustration and her tenacity in looking for that silver that was lost as a picture of God's heart to find those who are lost from him. I got to tell you, that would have made the Pharisees squirm. They wouldn't have liked that. And yet Jesus gives another couplet. And then Luke 18, there's the couplet of the unjust judge and the importunate widow. And then in chapters 23, there's something of a comparison and contrast between the women who followed Jesus and his disciples. It wasn't a woman that betrayed Jesus. It wasn't a woman 
that denied Jesus. It wasn't women that forsook him and fled at his darkest hour. Save John the Apostle, as far as we know, it was only women of his followers who were at the foot of his cross. And it was women who were the first to the empty tomb. And Anna joins this wonderful army of the ranks of women of affirmation. If God says it, amen. Another reason that Anna becomes such a model of the kind of woman that God uses is because she was a woman, we could say this, of of appreciation. In the sense of gratitude, we'll often express gratitude by saying, I appreciate that. We could say this along this same thought. She was a woman of appreciation or adoration. And I take this from the fact the Bible tells us that she, verse 38, coming in that instant gave thanks. Likewise unto the Lord. She models a spirit of gratitude. Notice this. She didn't have to take time to work up to being thankful. The Bible purposely uses the word instant. In other words, it's just what immediately came out when she saw what was happening. There was a spirit of gratitude that had taken hold of her heart where her immediate, her initial response to life was, Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. Even the things that are difficult. It challenged my heart. to sit at a table yesterday with Becky Sullivan and hear her just hours after saying goodbye for a little time to Mark to be purposely finding things to thank God for. There was a spirit of gratitude. And part of her appreciation, her adoration was expressed as well by speech that glorified the Lord. I love this. Notice, if you would, the last part of verse number 38. She spake of him, talking about Christ, to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She had speech that glorified Christ. Ladies, your speech is powerful. In fact, it is one of the most powerful tools of influence that any of us have. But for our purposes this morning, you ladies, the power of your speech to point your children and grandchildren to Jesus. The power of your speech to encourage your husband and your sons. The power of your speech. And let me tell you, the best way you can guarantee that that happens is to make Jesus preeminent in what you say. We glorify the Lord. The word glorify, practical picture I've shared with us many times before, and that is this. Glorifying God, glorifying Jesus Christ is through my speech, through my life, making sure that whatever I do, whatever I say, makes others think bigger and better thoughts about God than they've ever thought before. This is one of the things that I've appreciated about my own grace. Many times in the morning, I'll be out in the living room, I'll come back in, and she's gotten up. And I'll open the door, and the first thing that I'll hear is either her singing 
or I'll hear godly music, praise music being played on her phone. Even Friday night on our way over uh, to Durham at a time of quietness, and that's a rare thing when I'm in a vehicle. Okay, but I had quieted down for a little bit, was doing some thinking, and the next thing I knew, she had leaned her head over against the side of the Suburban, and I could hear her humming some hymn of the faith, praising the Lord. Praise that comes forth, ladies, in the mundane times of life, the unplanned times of life, when it's just you and your Lord. A life that is marked by adoration. You say, Pastor, have you noticed I'm not in the choir? <laughs> if I did, you'd be finding ways to nicely get me out of it. <laughs> Pastor, you haven't heard me sing, have you? Let me tell you something, ladies. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. It'll, it will mark for good. It will mark your children. When their memories of mama just doing the dishes and vacuuming and cleaning around the house, when their memories of mama are memories of mama humming about Jesus and praise to the Lord, that will mark them for the rest of their lives. And it was a woman that God used because she was a woman of adoration. Fourthly and finally, before we conclude, I see about Anna, she was a woman of association. I want you to notice an interesting wording that the scripture uses here. Again, understanding that we talked about this Wednesday night, that grammar, word order, every last detail of it, one jot, one tittle, God did every bit of it on purpose. Okay. And notice this. She spake of him, of Christ, to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. The idea is this, is that she spake of Christ to all the ones looking for the redemption ones in Jerusalem. In other words, those people who were looking for the Messiah to come as the Old Testament described his coming. This was a minority in Israel at that time. And interestingly enough, the Bible says she knew how many of them? All of them. It didn't matter that those who, through the lens of the Old Testament, seeing him both as sovereign but also a suffering servant, it didn't matter that the per perspective of many of the people of that day, that, that Anna's perspective about the Messiah was cross-culture, cross-grain. Most of Israel was looking for a military conqueror to overthrow Rome. But as she and this minority understood the scripture, they were first to be looking for a suffering servant. And she knew who the others were. Though they were a minority, though we can use the Bible term, they were a remnant. It didn't bother her to be countercultural. Her association with, with, with those who were looking for redemption, get this, Redemption that implied a redeemer. A redeemer from the penalty of sin. A redeemer who would also be a deliverer. As you think about the work of redemption, it's talking about 
soul redemption from the penalty of sin. It's talking, yes, about physical deliverance as well, but not from the Roman Empire. It's talking about redemption from a sin-cursed body. And so it automatically is going to cause those who are focused on looking for the redemption to be cutting ties with the roots of this old world. It, it speaks of an eternal focus. It speaks of a woman, of a mother, who would not be interested so much in her kids' earthly success as she would their eternal and spiritual success. I thought about the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter number 8. We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain until now, waiting for the adoption, that is the redemption of our bodies. And I've shared with several folks, boy, coming across the way last night, I was thinking about Marshall Morgan's homegoing. 84 years of age, and yet the watchword of Marshall Morgan's life was John twenty two twenty. even so, come Lord Jesus. I mean, it dictated his life. When he was able to attend church, many times as we would sing, he would raise his left hand and he would praise God out loud, even so, come Lord Jesus. When we would visit him, whether at home or there in the nursing facility, and we would sing about heaven or talk about the scripture, many times his last words with tears coming down his face, he'd raise his hand, he'd say, even so, come Lord Jesus. And I thought about how it shaped his perspective, and then I thought about Mark Sullivan and all that he went through and how he is now free from an old broken down body. I thought about the reunion that's been taking place in heaven over the last few days. Mark Sullivan, Marshall Morgan, Gene Ferguson, Jenny Dietrich. We got Crossroads North going on. <laughs> and I got to tell you what, the more people that I knew closely get on the other side, the more it just makes me want to hurry up and get there. She was a woman of association. I don't care if it's cross-cultural. I'm going to know who it is that are God's people who are looking for Jesus to come again, and I'm going to fasten my life to them. I'm going to stay close. Those are my people right Amen. there. Amen. Those are my kind of people. Now I'm going to finish right here. So we think about the impact of Anna. I want you to notice, it, it almost, from a human perspective, as you look at the transition from Anna's story, just three verses given to her life. A 104-year-old woman, maybe, whether 84, 104, whichever. Okay. Three verses given to her life. Her whole life, as far as we know it, get this, came down to this moment. Three verses? One meeting of a few minutes in the temple where she gave thanks and encouraged Joseph and Mary with this infant in arms and echoed what Simeon had just said. 
And then notice what happens. So verse number 38, she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to, uh, to, to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Verse number 39. And when they, talking about Joseph and Mary, had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city of Nazareth, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And then verse number 41 and on, we get the one instance from the adolescence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the next time there's any record of him is when he begins his earthly ministry. Now, now here's the point I want to make, okay? The last interactions that Joseph and Mary have... Okay, before Jesus is 12 years old, that we read about in Scripture is the touch, the encouraging word and presence of Simeon and Anna. And now Joseph and Mary are going to go back to poverty in Nazareth and just faithfully day in and day out fulfill the responsibility that God's entrusted to them to bring up Jesus. I wonder how many times Mary, in those isolated moments in Nazareth, would think back to that old lady in the temple named Anna, who in just a few moments of interaction said, praise God. And in those difficult and mundane moments, Mary's heart would be encouraged, Joseph's heart would be encouraged, because they met a woman named Anna, whose daddy was named Phanuel, the face of God, from the tribe of Asher, which means blessed. The woman that God uses. A woman of anticipation, a woman of affirmation, a woman of adoration, and a woman of association. Let's pray. Father. As we think about the potential for impact of all the ladies, the young ladies, the middle-aged ladies, the older ladies here this morning, mothers, grandmothers, I think about the fact that Anna was a widow. And, and Lord, I, I failed to mention this, but in the three ladies who as individuals played such a key part in the birth narratives of Christ, you had Elizabeth, who was an older married woman. You have Mary, who was a a young married woman, and you have Anna, who represents single women or older women. Father, I pray that the ladies here today would recognize that regardless of their status, regardless of their marital status, regardless of their age, each of them can be a woman that God uses. So Lord, I pray that the hearts of ladies here are encouraged this morning. As we, in just a moment, Think about the song that's going to be played channels only. Would you ladies just say to the Lord, Lord, fresh and new, here's my life, it's a channel. Whatever you want to use it for, I want to be the woman that God uses. In the home, in the church. Whatever it is, Lord, whatever my status, whatever my age, <laughs> I want to be a woman that God uses.